Open up to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. Romans 12. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for our time of worship so far. And now, once again, as we turn our hearts and minds to your word, we thank you that in John 17, 17, we are told by Jesus that we are sanctified by your truth. We are set apart. We are made holy by your truth. Thank you. In Second Peter 1, 3, it says, you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit in us that not only enables us to understand your word, but then to apply it brings conviction, brings application so that we can not just be hearers but doers. And in that, we can experience transformation, supernatural transformation. So, Father, we thank you. And now, Lord, speak to us through your word and then bring application so that we can continue to be made more and more like Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. All right, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Continuing our series on... Supernatural transformation, right? We've been this since the beginning of the year. Romans 12:1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the believers in Rome. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed... By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We've been in this series about transformation, right? And we've learned from last year into this year, as believers, we're not called simply to be good and happy. That's not, you know, you don't put your faith in Jesus and then become good and happy, become a better moral person. The Bible says we are called to be godly and holy. In this verse, in in verse 2, it's transformation. You supernaturally put your faith in Jesus. You were supernaturally adopted into His family. You are supernaturally, right now, if you're a believer, you are supernaturally clothed in the righteousness of Christ as you sit here, which means God is pleased with you. God likes you. Turn to someone around you and say, God likes you. Now, He likes you. Why? On the basis of your position in Christ. Amen? He likes you. He loves you positionally because you are in Christ. You're adopted. And you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Betty, you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. You know, right? Why is that important? Because as we move forward in transformation, we have to remember that we move forward, and this is you may have heard this before, from victory, not for victory. Meaning... If you know who you are in Christ and you appropriate those truths that God loves you, you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, everything in your life works for the good, suddenly you have joy. Suddenly you have confidence. Suddenly you have enthusiasm and motivation to pursue God. Amen? You're moving from victory, not for victory, because in Christ you already won. Turn to the person next to say, you're already a winner. You're already a winner. How do we know that? Here. 
And in the end, who wins in the end? God does? We do. How do we know that? Because we read the end of the book. We peaked. We peaked, right? We know how it, we know how it plays out. Amen? But see, sometimes we forget this. Sometimes we forget these very basic foundational truths. Who we are in Christ. That we win. And then when life happens, we get tossed to and fro. And, and things happen. And suddenly we're like, oh, woe is me, woe is me. And sometimes we need to be brought back to just the foundational truths. God loves you. You're His child. Nothing's going to separate you from Him. He likes you. And we win. Amen? Who would want to walk with Jesus with those truths? Right? All right. Woo! Church is over. Let's go. <laughs> right? He's like, yes. Yes, because out there, on, if, if you watch too much TV, if you read too many things on the Internet, if you talk to too many wrong people, man, Christians are getting beat up. The world doesn't like us. The world ridicules us. The world, you know, we're narrow, we're this, we're intolerant, we're da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And if you listen to too much out there, you but it's all you can do to get here on a Sunday morning. Because you just beat down. You just beat down. You just beat down, right? And then the pastor says, and now I want you to be transformed. Great, pastor. I just barely made it here. And now you're telling me i got to be more like Jesus. Right? And, and if we're not careful and if we forget these wonderful foundational truths, this journey of transformation becomes duty and drudgery. And, you know, you're just not motivated anymore. And you're like, what happened? What happened, right? And, and, and so that's why we're taking the time we need to really understand what transformation means and how we go about it. It's not just a bunch of, okay, here, the pastor said I do this, 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 and then I'm going to be transformed. You know, we live in this microwave mentality, right? Just tell me what to do, pop me in the spiritual microwave, and boop! I'm like Jesus. I was on three minutes, right? How long did it take you? Oh, five minutes. Ooh, what's wrong? You know what I mean? We want this spiritual microwave popcorn Christianity. Just tell me what to do. Do, 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 do. I'll, okay, do, do, do. No, it's a journey. It's, it's every day of your life until you're done on this planet. Oh, really? Well, how am I going to do that? Well, you've got to understand these foundational truths, right? Because the word picture for transformation is metamorphosis, right? And, and we've shown you this, right? This is really what, what he's talking about. You were a caterpillar. You put your faith in Jesus. You're not just supposed to become a better caterpillar, Right? We don't come here on Sundays just to say, be the best caterpillar you can be. Right? No, we say, walk with Jesus through His Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to transform you into something completely new. Because already you're a new creation. If the Bible says, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. Everyone say, is. You are a new creation. You know that word new creation means? Something that never existed before. You ever see those home renovation shows, right? Right Now, you can take a, a house and you can remodel it, or you can take a house and just destroy the whole thing and put up something brand new. That's what he's talking about. See, a lot of us come to faith in Jesus, and we think, well, he just wants to touch this up, and I just need a little coat of paint, you know, and I got some stuff that needs spackle. You know what I mean? We, we think of that, right? Nope, nope, nope. When you come to Jesus, he says, you're a new creation. 
and I want you to walk in newness of life. How many like that? Right? We're the ones that want to bring all the old stuff. Here I come, Jesus. What are you carrying, man? What's in your bag? Right? What's in your bag? Well, it's, it's my old stuff. Why are you carrying that? You're a new creation. Sometimes in this transformation process, it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's a process of getting rid of the old stuff. Taking stuff out of the bag that you've been carrying that you don't have to carry anymore. You don't have to because you're a new creation. You're a new creation. So we're in this transforma- transformation process, right? And uh, Romans 12, go ahead, Shiloh, thank you. Romans 12 says it's be transformed, right? It's God who does the transforming as we work out, work with Him in our salvation, ultimately renewing our minds, and we're going to look at that. We spent the last few weeks looking at, if you look in your uh, outline there, faith and the importance of faith in our transformation process. We, la- we looked specifically last week that we are saved by grace, right? You don't earn your way to heaven here. You don't earn your way to heaven. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. We're justified by faith. But, okay, turn to James. A few books to the right. Turn to the book of James. Very important. Very important. We're saved by grace through faith, but the book of James says, so here's how you know what saving faith is. It's not just... It's not just assenting and reciting creeds. That's not necessarily saving faith, right? We saw last week that James says, hey, here's what saving faith looks like. James 2.14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of, the, one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Right? And we learned last week that, you know what? Saving faith isn't just believing in Jesus. It's believing Jesus. Right? If you were here, we had the wheelbarrow here last Sunday. And I told you the story of a guy named Blondine in the 1800s. He strung a rope across Niagara Falls, right, and walked across and drew lots of crowds. At one point, he got a wheelbarrow, went across Niagara Falls, and back with 350 pounds of concrete. Crowd cheers. Then he asked the crowd, do you believe I could do this with a man in the wheelbarrow? Crowd cheers. Ooh, yes, 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 yes. Points to a man cheering loudly. Then get in. And he didn't get in. But he was cheering really loudly. But he wouldn't get in. See, and we talked last Sunday that believing faith is getting in. Believing faith, saving faith is getting in the wheelbarrow. And so some of us, even though we've been in church for a while, you have to ask yourself, did I ever get in? Have I ever gotten in, right? We talked about, you know, if Scotty was Jesus. <laughs> a lot of us, a lot of us grew up, you know, and in good ways. This is nothing negative. We grew up going to church, uh, VBS, Awanas, all that, and we learned a lot of stuff that we believe in. So I believe in Jesus. 
I believe in God, right? 70 plus, over 70% of the Americans believe in God. So there's a lot of stuff that we can assent to, we can agree with, that we believe in. But James is saying, you have to believe. You have to lean on Him. Radical difference. See, right now, if Jesus moves, I'm toast. (laughs) But see, now I'm in. Now I'm in. Now I believe. That's state in faith. Because see, if I just believe in, here's the radical thing. Then there's separation. I can still have my kingdom. I can still do my thing. But I believe in. I believe in. I believe in. I believe in. But I can still do my thing. This? There's a we here. There's a we here. And if he starts going that way, I better go with him. I better go with him. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I better go. That's, that's getting in the wheelbarrow. That's what James is talking about. Cause thank you. Because when you're in, when you have that get in the wheelbarrow moment and you're all in, your life actions take care of themselves. It follows. It follows that all-in moment. So last Sunday, the question was, are you? Or, or are you believing in because Jesus is over there and you go, woohoo, Jesus, woohoo, yeah, 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 I believe in. But we got this little chasm here because I still got my world and I still got my thing to do. And James says, no, believing faith is all in, right? Now, the challenge with this is this process that we talked about, we have to be careful. Because, okay, so you've got to have faith. You've got to believe in. Faith has works. If we're not careful, we can make this transformation process real academic, real heady. And we forget that it's really about love. We really forget it's about love and the importance of love. Right, turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13. So you're going to go back a few books. It's right after Romans. 1 Corinthians 13. Look at the importance of love. So faith without action is dead, right? But what about action without love? Look at this. 1 Corinthians 13.1 If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not what? Love. I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have what? Not love. I am nothing. If I give all if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. So faith without actions is dead. And look at this. Actions without love is meaningless. It's nothing. You can be doing a whole lot. I mean, look at that. He's talking about these gifts. And he's talking about the gift of prophecy. And he's talking faith that can move mountains. He says, hey, but if you don't have love, meaningless. Counts for nothing. What? I thought Christianity was having faith and doing a lot of stuff. Like, Pastor, you said I have to read the Bible. I should pray every day. I should come Wednesday night. I should come Sunday. It's doing, isn't it? Those are disciplines and those are important, but you can never lose sight of love. If you have lost sight of the 
foundational core of your relationship with Jesus being love, it might be why you're stuck in what we call neutral around here. Lord, I'm doing a lot, right? You heard me say this the last few weeks. Your car's in neutral, spiritual car, and you're like, ring, 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 ring. Sundays, Wednesdays, reading, prayer, ring, ring, ring. Revving that engine, doing a lot, but you're not going anywhere. You know why you might not be going anywhere spiritually? Because it's not about love anymore. It's accounting, according to 1 Corinthians 13, it's nothing. You're exercising gifts. You're giving. You want to go visit Bill. You want to do a lot of things around here. But if you don't have love, according to those verses, it's nothing. You're, you're, you're ring, ring, ring. So some of us, the last few weeks, you've been challenged with, uh, am, I, am I believing in or am I all in? That's been a challenge. And maybe today the challenge is, have I just been lacking love? In all my service for Jesus? Remember the church at Ephesus in Revelation? Revelation 2? Jesus Jesus says, hey, church! Hey, OVCF! You guys are doctrinally sound. You guys test false teachers. Good job. Remember he says this at the church at Ephesus. You guys are doctrinal. You're orthodox. You're doing a lot. But what does he say to the church at Ephesus? I have this against you. You've left your first love. He calls out an entire church that is doing good things because they lost love. They lost love. So in this transformation, on this Valentine's Day, here's here's what I really want you to get. It's faith, action, and love inseparable. Amen? And how do you know that? Turn to Galatians 5.6. I love this verse. Galatians 5.6. Few books to your right. First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Galatians. Galatians five six. Apostle Paul's again speaking to believers. Says this for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through what? Love. There's a verse right there. Faith, action, and love. Faith expressing itself through what? Love. See, you guys are you guys do so much around here, and here's what I love about this church and what God has God has grown us and matured us. It's love. And we're not talking about touchy feely love. We're talking about biblical, what we call agape love. What is agape love? Self-sacrificial. For the benefit of the person being loved. That's agape love, right? The Bible, there's different kinds of love. There's agape love, which means I prize you so much that I'm going to self-sacrificially give of myself, my resources, my time for your benefit. It's not about me. There's a phileo love, which is the city of Philadelphia. Friendship love. Right? We like hanging out with each other. We have common interests. That's fellowship. That's what kind of happens over there with donuts and coffee. That's fellowship love. But what he's talking about here is agape love. I prize you. I value you so much, I will self-sacrificially give of myself. That's what he's talking about. Faith 
expressing itself through agape love. So, so as we move forward on this Valentine's Day, you've got to ask yourself, how am I doing in the love department? Because if, if there's an area in your life, spiritually, where you're feeling kind of in neutral or you're feeling kind of stuck or maybe you're feeling like you're going backwards, it may not be that you don't believe the right stuff. It's not a faith issue. It's a love issue. It could be that that this season in your life, after all these years or months or days walking with Jesus, it's a love issue. It really is a love issue. Right? How many of you wanted without... The minute you heard about Bill, you were just ready to go. Do anything. I'm there, right? Right? Yeah, those bands, right? Right? Some of you who went down there got the bands because you went down and you drove down and you checked in and you found out where he was and, and, you know, put this on your wrist. Right? That was self-sacrificial. Took time, took gas when I go see him, right? You did it out of what? Love. My guess is you guys didn't say this. Oh, that bill. How inconsiderate. <laughs> my Thursday was... I had my Thursday planned. How could he go and he get hit by a car? What was he thinking? My, Mark, what was he thinking? We had it all planned out. Our schedule and everything. What an inconvenience. But I guess I have to. Okay, let's go. Hi, Bill. We're here because we have to. Can you hurry this up? Do you feel the love coming through on that one? No, right? But many of us, if we're not careful and we lose sight of the love, God's love for us, that's what our church becomes. Oh, I have to. Oh, it's inconvenient. But you know what the crazy thing is, and Bill taught this out of 1 John 5, it says that God's commands are not what? Burdensome. The Bible says that God's commands are not burdensome. Why aren't they burdensome? Because we do it out of what? Love. Love. Okay, it's Valentine's Day, so I'm going to put some of the men here on the spot. Mark, thanks for volunteering. Mark, it's Valentine's Day. Did you, did you get Kathy something? I have a plan. Okay, code for no. <laughs> okay, but, but you want to do this. It's a, it's a want to. It's not a have to. It's not duty. It's not drudgery. Because you love her more than anything in the entire universe, except, except for Jesus. Jesus. Except for Jesus, yeah. right? That true. That, that's right. right. I can't even look at you. <laughs> <laughs> it's love, right? What what you do for your wife at the core is out of love. It's not burdensome, right? And if it was a burden, you probably there's probably some deeper issues, and you have to. It's a love issue when it becomes duty and drudgery, right? Think about that. At the human level, man, we're there. For people we love, we're there. We're there. Second thought, right? Not, not a second thought. Boom, I'm there. It's the same thing with the Lord. He just wants you to know how much He loves you and then to respond in love. What do you say? We love because He first loved us. 
So instead of, see, a lot of times we hear that and we go, okay, I got I to gotta, I gotta really try hard to love. I got to really love. I got to love. Because the Bible says I got to love. I have to love. Diana, I have to love. I love you. Because the Bible says I have to love you. So I love you, Diana. Is that how we're supposed to love? Is that what he's talking about when he says love one another? What is the source of our love? Holy Spirit, it's the fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. He loved me first. Here's, the, here's what I want you to get on Valentine's Day. The source of us loving Him and loving each other is Him. It's not us working it up. It's not us with all these good intentions. And it's not us making longer to-do lists. And it's not us. It's not us. It's not us. If you want to love God more passionately and freely, and you want to love your brothers and sisters more passionately and freely, here's what you need to do. You need to sit long enough to experience His love. You need to sit and let, as Romans 5.5 5 says, let the Holy Spirit pour out His love into your heart. Turn to Romans 5.5. 5. Look at that verse. It is an incredible verse. Romans 5.5. 5. Romans 5, 5 says this, And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who He has given us. It's not a trickle. It's not drip, 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 drip. I'm going to give you a little at a time. No. That verse says God has poured out. It's a stream. It's like crank it open and boom! By the Holy Spirit. God wants you to know His love. Amen? He's not hiding it. He's not anything. He wants you in your heart through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. He wants to pour it out. He wants to pour it out into your heart. Now here's the crazy thing. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the world. Here's some of the challenges. That, that in, in years of ministry, here's one of the biggest challenges when it comes to people receiving God's love. Bad experiences at the human level with love. So-and-so said they love me. Then they backstabbed me. It was conditional love. It was this. It was that. So then when someone says to you, hey, God loves you, you hear it through a completely different filter. That's why you've got to focus on what the Bible says. The Bible says when you're saved, the Holy Spirit is given to you and God wants to pour His love out into your heart. Holy cow. God of the universe wants to pour His love into your heart. Whoo! I still try to wrap my mind around that. Because at the human level, we feel so unworthy. We feel like we have to still earn it. We have to do something. You know, we still don't get God's grace and, and that we could be loved like that. But here's the thing. If you will sit and think about Scripture and meditate on Scripture and say, God, through the Holy Spirit, help me pour it out, pour it out. Open my eyes, open my heart to understanding it. Watch out. Watch out. Mark, you thought I was done. 
Do you remember when you first loved Kathy? Can you, can, right? How did you feel? Okay, good answer. <laughs> Do you remember the first time that you believed that she loved you? How did that, okay, so you felt those emotions in your love for her, but how did you feel when you believed that she actually loved you? Comfort, peace, security, confidence. See, a lot of us, if I asked you, do you love God? You would say yes. But do you know God's love for you? Have you stopped long enough to let God pour out His love into your heart? What would happen if you just stopped? Said, Lord, I want to know how much you love me. Lord, I want you to pour out your love into my heart. That transformation picture is going to become you. See, because it's a supernatural love that is poured out into you supernaturally, and suddenly you're on this supernatural relationship, and everything changes. Your whole view of you, your view of God, your view of the world changes when you experience God's supernatural natural love being poured out into you. There's freedom. There's freedom. There's joy. There's comfort. There's peace. There's security. There's confidence. But are you willing to be loved like that? Mm. Because that's how He loves you. And there's a great story. We'll close with the story. Turn to Luke 7. I love this story. Luke 7. Look at this wonderful story. Luke 7.36 says this. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. In this culture, when there was a big banquet... Uh, people, the general population, were allowed to come in and just sit along the walls and observe all the guests. This lady, she had a bad reputation. Many think that she might have been a prostitute. Okay, so she comes. She has a jar of perfume, right? She, you see what she does is she brought an alabaster jar of perfume as she stood behind him weeping at his feet. Uh, she began to wet his feet with her tears, wiped them, right? Poured perfume. Verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. 
Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head. But she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. For she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. What's going on here? Right? What he's saying is, hey, you know, you know what she's doing? This, this perfume on my feet and, and kissing my feet and wiping. You know why she's doing that? Because she's aware of how much she's been forgiven. And that awareness has caused her to love. And that love is being manifested in extravagant ways. Simon, your problem is you're not aware. You're not aware, really, of how much you've been forgiven. See, in this story about the the debtors, the 50 and the 500, they were both bankrupt. They were both unable to pay. The question was a difference of awareness and conviction. So for us, if we're going to understand and have God's love poured out into our heart, the question is, are you really aware of how much you've been forgiven? Are you? Because one of the challenges in our culture is that we look good, and, you know, so we go to church and we do a lot of good things. So there's kind of self-righteousness that can creep in. There's kind of pride. I'm not as bad as. And when you go there, suddenly, well, yeah, those people over there, they really needed God's love. They really needed God's grace. But me, I've been good. I was raised in the church. I just needed a little bit of grace. Did you? Because the Bible says what? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. All. If you're part of the all, put your hand up. All have sinned. All have sinned. If you want to understand more profoundly and experientially God's love for you, ask God to open your eyes to the awareness of what He did for you at the cross. Right? Turn to Romans 5. Look what he did for us at the cross. Back to Romans 5. We'll start verse 6. If you will meditate on these verses, I believe you'll understand and experience God's love in a very profound way. Romans 5, 5. We'll start there again. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. Verse 6. You see at just the right time when we were still what? Okay, so if you're comfortable writing in your Bibles, you might want to highlight or circle or underline powerless. Christ died for the what? Okay, so you may want to highlight, underline, or circle ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this while we were still what? Okay, underline, highlight, circle, sinners. Christ died for us. 
Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, you may want to circle, underline, or highlight enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? You want to understand God's love for you more profoundly? You want a deeper awareness of the conviction so that it wells up into this love for him and others? Well, according to these verses, we all were powerless, ungodly, sinners, and enemies. Who does that apply to? All. But verse 8 says, He demonstrates His own love for us. While we were all of those things, what did He do? He loved us, demonstrated by how? Sending Jesus, who was tortured, crucified, buried, raised from the dead. While we were powerless, ungodly sinners and enemies. That's the starting point. That's the point. If you grasp that, if you stay there long enough that you were powerless, ungodly, a sinner, you were considered God's enemy. And when you were in that condition, everyone say in that condition. When you were in that condition, he sent Jesus. Because of his grace and because he loves you. That much. That's the understanding. That's the love He wants to pour into your heart. Now, what's going to happen when you grasp that and you let it go? I have no clue. You might be up here preaching one day, for all I know. I, I, I don't know. But I do know this. When God's love is poured out into your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit, oh my gosh, the floodgates are opened. And you begin to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And says, what's got into you? Oh man, God love. It's just God's love. And you walk around with this cheesy smile. It's just God's love. I just can't quit smiling. Why are you smiling? God loves me. God loves me, right, Robert? God loves me. He just loves me. I get it. I get it. I was raised in the church. I've heard this over and over and over. But I get it. He loves me. He loves me. And I love this. Look at this final prayer. The Apostle Paul prays this prayer. Turn to Ephesians. Ephesians 3. Glorious prayer. Then we're going to take communion. Ephesians 3.14. Paul praying for the Ephesian believers. He's praying for the believers. Check this out. Ephesians 3.14 For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom His whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, he's talking to Christians, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, here it is, to grasp, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
This is my prayer for you. This is my prayer for you. That you would know God's love. Because when you know God's love, your life will follow. When you know God's love, your priorities will change. When you know God's love, you'll love Him. When you know God's love, you'll love each other. This has been, just as I've been studying even pastorally this week, I'm like, Lord, this is what the church is about. This is what we're supposed to be about. Understanding and knowing God's surpassing love. But it's a process. Many of you may have heard of a guy named Charles Spurgeon. Famous preacher, theologian, way back. He tells a story. He grew up in the church. It took him about five years of reflection and wrestling and meditating on God's love to where he kind of went, whoop, and then got saved. He had grown up in it. He was very familiar with it. But it took him time, focused time of wrestling with the truth of Scripture to really grasp God's love for him. I get it. So when it comes up, ask yourself this, Lord, what are the obstacles in my life, maybe even experiences, that are preventing me from just receiving your love? What is it? And maybe you need to pray with someone. Maybe you need to begin connecting with other believers that can demonstrate God's love. I've shared with you before, I grew up pretty independent and I didn't need anybody and this touchy-feely male bonding stuff was for weak losers. And then God puts me into a church down in San Diego and this older guy wants to get together for breakfast. Why? What's the purpose of that? You know? And okay. So I start showing up and we start meeting and a few months later because of a relationship and God's love being manifested through him to me, my whole life changed because for the first time in my life there was somebody that I could understand God's love through. It wasn't just theory. It was being lived out through a human being. Despite all my bad experiences with love in the past, here was somebody that not perfectly but was doing his best to demonstrate God's love and it was that hands-on experience that radically changed my view and said, ah, I get it. I get it. So on this Valentine's Day, this could be an incredible Valentine's Day for you. If you'll sit and just let God love you. Just go all the way back. You're never too old to go to the cross. You're never too old to say, oh, Lord, thank you. While I was yet a sinner, ungodly, your enemy, you died for me. What? That's Valentine's. That's Valentine's. And if you'll let that love pour out into your heart, watch out. Watch out. Because that journey of transformation, oh man, it's going to be a joy. And we're going to do it together. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving us like you do. And Lord, in the busyness of life and in the busyness of church, sometimes, quite frankly, we push the love thing aside. It's just words. It becomes cliche. It became, becomes routine. We hear Jesus loves you all over the place. And, and yet this morning, I believe you wanted us to hear it from you through your word. 
power of the Holy Spirit. Once again, you love me. When I was completely lost. A sinner, ungodly, your enemy, powerless, you love me. And how do I know? The cross. The cross. So, Father, thank you. And this morning, Lord, maybe there's some here who just need to confess and ask your forgiveness that their love has been waning. The things of life have just crowded out love. So, Father, forgive us for that. Father, maybe there's someone here on this Valentine's Day who understands, maybe for the first time, maybe they've grown up in church, that you love them. It's personal. It's personal. And they've never responded to that love. They never have believed and rested on you completely. But this morning, they want to put their faith on you, Jesus. They want to lean on you. They want to respond to your love by putting their faith on you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. So if you're here, and you're saying, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Jesus, I believe you died for me. I understand God's love for me. I want to follow you. Jesus, in the best way, know how I'm leaning my entire being on you. If that is the desire of your heart, then put your hand up and I can pray for you. Good. Good. Father, thank you. Pray for those, Lord. Raise their hands, those that uh, have in the conviction of their hearts just want to be all in, want to be leaning completely in response to your love. That's our And now as we take communion, we're reminded, Jesus, of your incredible love in a very practical, tangible way. The cups remind us of your broken body and your shed blood. So we take this communion in remembrance of you, Jesus. But even on this Valentine's Day, as we hold the cups, Father, would you whisper into our hearts through your Holy Spirit, I love you. And this is how much. Just a word of encouragement as we uh, prepare to leave. Sometimes the, the most challenging part of our walk with Jesus is to turn off the TV and the radio and all the busyness of life and just reflect and meditate on His love. I encourage you this week, do that. Do that. Read some verses and just ask God to show you this week how much He loves you. To pour out His love into your heart and see what happens.